Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is like a marriage. Mackey and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Lou Nanny joining us here. Uh, write that down predictions in an hour at 11 o'clock and an accountability session. Now, I, I don't want to rub it in too much because I know that you were born in Canada. Um, are you like 100% rooting for the U.S. women the other night when they uh, finally beat Canada in a gold medal game? Or was it like 80-20, Lou? What was it for you? 110. All right. I, I was dying for that game. I just, you know, it's been 20 years and uh, I'm involved in USA International Hockey. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I, that that was something I've been looking forward to all year because we got beat by the Canadians about five, six times during the year. Always one goal game, close. But we beat them in world championships the last uh, three, four years. And we hadn't won the Olympics for 20 years. So I was really excited about that one. Great game, too, Louie. I mean, that that was basically as good good as it gets for hockey competition. Well, they've had great games all the way through. There's such yep. a rivalry there. And, you know, the last Olympics, essentially, they stole it from us. We had a two-goal lead with about 320 to go, and they tied it and won it overtime. That one really made me sick. So uh, the U.S. And, and Canada have got a fantastic, fantastic rivalry. And I was, it was about time I was really happy the girls won. Not, uh, Louie, that the shootout move to win the game was it was fantastic. I get that. But can you explain to me why do they, why in, in the ultimate game don't they continue to, uh, just to play OTs? I don't get that. Why why do we go to a shootout in, in that game? I, I really don't know. The IIHF determined that years ago. If you remember, Peter Forsberg beat Canada with the move, you know. 94. The move that girl did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they've been doing it for a long time, and, and those of us that are in hockey, even though we love the shootout during regular season, we hate we hate seeing the shootout determine games in the, in the World Championships, the Stanley Cup. We, we wouldn't want that, except I won it the other night. Now it's working. <laughs> now you're happy, yeah. <laughs> now I'm happy, but outside of that, I really don't like it for... Uh, determining such big, big stage games. Yeah. We were, we were talking about this yesterday too, Lou, and that you know, women's sports in the quest to gain more notoriety and more media coverage and more fan exposure, women's sports need peak moments like that. You, you need links and sparks, game five, coming down to the final shot and the highlights to be played all over SportsCenter. You need uh, an incredible highlight reel shootout goal to clinch a gold medal. And, and so it's... For uh, for for women's sports to get a moment like that, I think it was. I think that's another cool thing too. Well, that's right. But frankly, uh, women's sports have dominated the Olympics this year. 
Look at Jesse Diggins. Look at uh, the with curling teams done. Look at the, uh, the scheme. Look at the uh, everything. The uh, half pipe. Whatever you want to say. The, the women's. Are, I mean, they've had an outstanding Olympics overall. But this is just the culmination, especially since the men didn't uh, win a medal. And for the women to win it and having not won it in 20 years, I, I kind of think that this is a highlight. Uh, with the exception, it can't be any bigger than Diggins. That, that win there was amazing. Yeah. Uh, hey, so you, you mentioned curling. By the way, we've got uh, people involved with U.S. curling that are absolutely interested in connecting with Jared Allen. So if our show and you can be the links to Jared Allen and a mullet in the 2022 Winter Olympics, I think we should try to make this happen. Well, I already got an email from him, and I'm getting that to Jared to see if he needs help with it. He's, uh, he's really determined to do it. And he's in, he's in Nashville, and he contacted uh, my friend David Boyle. I had him contact David, who runs the National Predators, to see if they can help in some way. So he's on his way. I mean, <laughs> he really wants to get this done, so it's going to be interesting to see if he does it. Uh, Lou, if if the if the pro uh, players continue not to go to the uh, Winter Games, do you have a better fix for the the men's tournament than what we saw this time around? As far as who should be the players in it? Well, I uh, you know, I sit on the international council and I I did voice my opinion. You know, they were too far gone this year, but I really believe in the Olympic year you should go out and take the best amateurs, and that being the college players and play them all year long and play them in the schedule that's meaningful before you get to the Olympics. So they played together. They've been through a lot together. They know one another, and it makes them much more effective by the time they get to the Olympic tournament. And I, I would like to see the top amateurs, which is usually going to be the, the, the best college players. Yes. If you got some guys that are, are just finished college year or two and, and maybe sat out or are playing minus pro, they could go, that would be good too. But I'd like to see them put together and do something like we did in the 80 Olympics when they had all college players play, and Kirby got them to play hard, play well, and in fantastic condition and give us a better chance to win. Why uh, don't they take that idea? Because to me, you know, this was this was basically Louie an all-star format, but not all-star players. And the four college kids that they took were good. Why did, didn't they adopt that? What happened, Judd, if you remember, there really wasn't a determination early enough on that the NHL wasn't going to play. Okay. So you couldn't, you couldn't start going in September and say, here's our team, we're going to play together. They, they were screwing around with that decision until almost Christmas. And so you really didn't have the opportunity to do that. And so now if the NHL is out this far, this long, and still determines they're going to be out, you'll have the opportunity to put a team together like that. Yeah. Uh, Lou Nanny with us here on a Friday, usually Thursdays at 10 o'clock. Write that down. We'll be at 11 o'clock this morning and our accountability session. So Judd and I started the show. It's amazing how many years where if, if the Wild has a deadline, whether it's playoffs approaching or trade deadline approaching, they always seem to get hot right before that important deadline. And here it is, like two, two or three weeks ago, they were on the outside of the playoff bracket. And now... There, uh, if they can put together a couple games here before the trade deadline, um, it it would make the case to add pieces to the puzzle rather than stand pat. So, how would you treat this team with the trade deadline approaching on Monday, Lou? Well, it all depends what's available and what's the price. If you take a look around, there hasn't been the kind of movement yet that we might have had before the deadline, knowing what's available. 
The Rangers didn't even address Nash and Grabner last night, saying that they're getting traded. Mm-hmm. Now, where are they going to go and what they're going to get hasn't been determined unless it's been determined. Well, I, I'm driving across Alligator Alley here, so I'm not sure. But <laughs> but if if they if if the Wild meets you know gets a need for the right price, they'll make the deal. And and uh, you know as in anything else, as you get closer to the deadline. Sometimes uh, buyers uh, have to wait that long to get a better deal. But then the seller, you know, when you get an hour or two before the deadline, you haven't moved a player, you know, the price might be going down. So maybe they're looking to wait longer to see what's available at a better price. Hey, real quick, you know what's funny about Alligator Alley, the people uh, who haven't driven across uh, the, the south stretch of Florida, you know how you drive around Minnesota and you see, like, dead deer and you see roadkill, like, dead skunks? You see roadkill alligators along Alligator Alley. It's amazing. Well, I haven't seen them dead, but I've seen, we caught them 52, my wife and I, coming across here one time. Yeah, wow. don't run out of gas. Outside the fences, you know, it's 75 miles across here, and I'm going from Naples to Palm Beach. And the, the first 75 miles is all just straight right across the Everglades. So uh, when, on a nice day, a lot of them come out to sun themselves. <laughs> they've, had a big, they've had a big boa problem down here. Boa constrictors are starting to kill alligators. You know, somebody let one free and they multiplied by like crazy. And so now they they got sort of a hunting season, and they, they pay them if they get some boas, these guys. Oh, yuck. Uh, yeah. Louis, a grabner to the Devils for a second-round pick and a defenseman in the KHL was completed last night. Nash has not been traded yet. so Well, Nash will be traded today or tomorrow. Uh, they didn't play him last night. They took him along, and he took a lot of clothes. But I, I would think that he's going to be going uh, today or tomorrow. They made that known. That's a great grab, by the way, for, for the Devils. You know, he's got 25 goals this year, grabner, and he can yep. really skate. And... Uh, he is going to be a free agent, but the Devils are willing to take a chance first of all to get in the playoffs and then maybe make a run by getting somebody like Gradner. And it's an easy move for him. You don't have to move out of your apartment. You just drive a different part of town. So if if you were, were the the Wild in this case, Louis, how much would you be willing to give up? I mean, would you give up draft picks, prospects, or or would you draw a pretty a pretty quick line considering what they gave up to get Martin Hansel last year? Well, I, I'm a little concerned. I wouldn't give up any more prospects because they uh, they've given like tuck away and and uh, they they really have to wait two years now for the Russian kid and Kaprasov. So you're just looking at Kuhn and Greenwheel may join him right after the Olympics. I hope he does. Yep. And uh, as being your best there, and Sealer's already up. So I, I would kind of give a draft choice, but not a first or second round pick. By the way, I love gr- the Greenway kid. He's six foot six. I-, I think he can step in and be top six right away. You know what's good about him? You're right, Judge. You know what's also good about him? He's six six, but he's got good. He's got soft hands. He- he's got good hands for a big player. Mm-hmm. That's something you know you-, you you love to see, but you don't see often. So I, I think that uh, that's going to be an excellent addition for him. In in your days as a GM, did you enjoy it this time of year, or or was it more stressful because there were so many uh, trade offers going in and out of the Met Center at that time? Well, I kind of loved the trade. I, I kind of you know I, I enjoyed trading. I probably made a hundred trades. So I remember many of them. It, it was it was exciting for me. You know, I don't recall that we had the deadline like they do now, though. You know, 
we uh, that was instituted later. We we were able to trade a long time for a long time uh, going into the playoffs. So I, I don't think we have to stop this early. And uh, we also had the opportunity to add players from Europe, but then we put the rule in that they're coming from Europe, then they got to go through waivers. So a lot of times you'd lose a guy. But uh, I, I had the opportunity. You know, I had set up Lars Lindgren. He wanted to go home, I said, and he was under contract to us. And I said, okay, you can go home, but you got to come back to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. So I give him the right to go home. And he goes home, finished the year. We're in the playoffs. I called to have him come. And the Swedish Federation, is, uh, Kurt Berglund, says, no, can't come. He's playing with the world team. I say, i got to deal with this guy. He was under contract to me. Sorry, place for us now. He can't come. That really upset me. So the following year, I had Kent Nielsen. And now we went out of the playoffs. So Nielsen called. He's going to play in Sweden. I said, you're not going to play for Sweden. He said, well, we're out of the playoffs. I don't care. You're my property. You're not going. And you could tell Berglund that he can call me if he doesn't like it. So Kurt Berglund called me back. He said, Lou, you're out of the playoffs. We want him. I said, well, you're not getting him. He said, why not? I said, remember last year what you did to Lars Lindgren? Yeah, I said, you screwed me. Now I'm screwing you. <laughs> Do you understand that? He said, yeah, okay, now that you screwed me, will we be okay next year? I said, yeah, we're okay next year. <laughs> Lou, who's the, who's the highest profile or best player you tried to trade for but but didn't wind up landing that the public might not know about? Uh, Glenn Anderson was one. Uh, another one was uh, Schoenfeld and... Uh, let me see. There um, might have been one more, but Anderson, you know, he that was right before he burst out with Edmonton and start getting 50 goals a year. We had some serious talks about that. Schoenfeld, Scotty Bowman called me one day and he says, you want Schoenfeld? I said, yeah, I'll take Schoenfeld. I want to have him. What do you want? He says, no, I'm serious. I'm going to trade him. I said, I'm serious, too. What do you want? You want a forward? You want a defenseman? He said, Lou, you don't want this guy. He's terrible. I said, I want him. You give him to me. No, I'm not trading him to you. He's terrible. He hung up on me. <laughs> Are you serious? Sh- I'm serious. Schoenfeld, Louis. I tell Shoney that all the time. I said, you were so bad your coach wouldn't trade, trade you to me. But that's not true. In the 81 playoffs, he was a pain in the ass for, for you guys. He was pretty I good loved, in that playoff series. I liked him. I, I loved Schoenfeld. That's what I'm saying. I never made a deal with Scotty. He, would never, he never made a deal with me. Didn't you talk? I, I tried everything with him. He, he would call me and, and do this. He called me one time when cell phones first came out. Yep. And I, and I, and I forget what it was. It was one player, and I was going to trade him to Newsy. And, and he said, uh, Louie, well, we should uh, make a deal. You, you want to do this? Yeah. I said, I'll do it. He said, well, we can't talk. I said, well, we're talking. He said, I'm on a cell phone. They got these two things. They monitor cell phones. Everybody knows that. I'm going to trade with you. And he hung up. <laughs> I mean, Scotty. I came so close to about 10 trades with him and never made one. Didn't you talk about or to Messier at one point? Yeah, but that was right. You know, I I was trying to get Messier and I was trying to get Leach. And what happened, they switched general managers. Mm. Greg Patrick lost his job and Esposito got got the job. And, And so... As soon as he got the job, it was in the summer, right after Leach had been drafted, and he never saw him. And so I started dealing with Phil, and right away, Phil, I don't trust you. I haven't seen this guy. You must be up to something. So he didn't do it. 
And the other guy tried like that was Luke Robitaille. He went in about the 10th round and uh, 8th or 10th round in Quebec. And Murray Oliver was scouting for me without watching the juniors early in September. And he called me up. He's Louis. You got to get this kid before they wake up. This guy is really something. So I tried everything with George McGuire, but I didn't get him. Yeah. That's amazing. Great stuff, Well, Lou. enjoy your drive across Alligator Alley, Lou, and we'll catch up next week. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. Right. See you, Lou. Lou and Annie. Uh, so, so Glenn Anderson is a Hall of Famer, right? Yes, he's a fanta- he was a, a fantastic player. But Louie was famous for bringing back guys. So the, the European season would end and and the the uh, playoffs would start. And Louie brought – there was a guy named Ron Wilson, a defenseman, who, who I, I think is the same guy that went on to have a long career as a coach. And I swear there were two or three years where every year when the spring would come, Wilson would come back. And he was pretty good. He was decent. And he'd be signed just for for the playoff run. And then he'd be gone at the start of the next year. And then Mm. in the playoffs, he'd come back. And I think they finally, I think probably because of Louie, they finally said, you know what? This is probably a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I think the wife was in the car there, too. How many times has she probably heard those hockey stories, too, right? Just a hundred times. But they're so funny because he gets started and and they improve with each one. That's what's great about it. Two guys, Woo! one topic. Sports. Mackie and Judd are back. Hamburg is crazy. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Here we go, here we go. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Zillow. Zillow, with millions of photos of homes for sale and for rent, historical pricing data, and tools to help home buyers find what they're looking for. Zillow, find your way home. Woo! And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. All right, Dave Harrigan, you can play the stuff right now. Can we talk about our neighbors to the north? Yes. It was, it was a bad day yesterday oh, in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's only gotten worse. So it starts, I mean, it's bad 36 hours. It starts by losing the gold medal women's hockey game to the U.S. Then your curling team loses a semifinal of the men's curling to the U.S., as we all know. Fast forward a little bit. Your men's hockey team is uh, loses a semifinal game to the Germans. Not a shock, but it's certainly embar- a surprise. It's embarrassing. A surprise. You're it, still Canada. That's their game. Yeah, yeah you're still Canada. Yes. It's not NHLers, but it's still Canada. Yep. And now you're curling after getting bounced out of the semifinals. You lose to Switzerland in the bronze medal game. So they didn't even win a medal. Wow. Oh. Switzerland took them down. I'm watching the replay right now. Oh, the Canadian Can- Curling Commission is not going to be happy about time, this. I think the first time since curling re-entered the Olympics in 1998 that they haven't medaled. It's bad. They, I mean, it's, I think it was like the sixth end that just wrapped up, and the Canadian guy had a big rock at the end of it. And he just completely blew his throw. Just terrible. And then didn't they? What, what was the line that you were talking about yesterday? The hog the, line. The hog line. Yeah. Didn't they didn't they come up short of the hog line in the ninth end yesterday against yeah. the Americans? Yeah. Our uh, guest John Benton was was telling. I asked him off the air. Why do they call it the hog line? He says, frankly, I have no idea. It probably goes back, you know, centuries over, yeah. you know, some old Scottish tale that we don't uh, actually know. And he said, yeah, in, in, even in league play, if you don't get it to the hog line, which means they just take the rock off, you're usually buying a round of beer for your teammates and the other team. Well, you know, some countries, if their soccer teams lose in big World Cup games, they will imprison the players who let the country down. Oh, heck yeah. 
listen, I'm not saying I'm the just Canadians saying Canadians are too nice. Now, now, do do we suppose that the Canadians take the hockey losses tougher or the curling loss? Because they're a power in all those sports, both sports. Well, I would think that curling is still even niche in Canada, even though they dominated. So now, if it's per capita, per capita, it's a toss up. Per like per capita, uh, you know, fans Olympic of curling Commission versus fans of hockey has to take a long look in the mirror now. <laughs> or you know, just study the. The ways of the United States when it comes to women's hockey. <laughs> and oh, okay, that's yeah. We'll show you the that's way. That's fine. Yeah, yep. those two things. He lobs it into Portis. Portis catches. He goes down low, puts it up. No good. Ball tip. It's loose. Valentine puts it. And the Sixers have come from behind to win the game. Ben Simmons and Joel and B deliver at a one-point win in Chicago. Six straight wins. Sixers were down three with ten seconds left. They come back to win it over the Bulls in what many are calling an all-time tank job by the Bulls last night. They sit Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday despite no injuries, no problems. They just you don't want to see how the other guys can really gel together, see what they can do. Robin Lopez was asked about tanking. His quote. I'm not familiar with military artillery. It's, it's a great That's answer. Cute. It's a great answer. And I make a lot of money. I'll be fine is the second part of it. According to the papers that I read when I was in Chicago last week, this will not be the first time or let the last time that these guys are going to sit entire games too. Sounds like we want to get a look at the youngsters and we really don't want to play the veterans anymore. So Hoiberg's going to be... He's going to spend a lot of time uh, giving those couple guys DNP CDs. They're 12th in the East right now, so yeah. they've got a little ways to go, but yeah. started early. If Mark Madsen shows up for the last seven <laughs> games and just jacks threes That's the whole still time. still one of the great Timberwolves games of all time. <laughs> Who's that guy? Seven Memphis three or somebody? Attempts. Yeah. Oh. And now Phil Mackey does everything he can to ignore reality and defend a hero of his youth. Despite knowing in his heart that hero is broken beyond repair. All right, let's talk about Tiger. Round one of the Honda yesterday. I felt very comfortable today. I felt like I hit the ball really well. And uh, it was it was tough out there. I mean, I had to hit a lot of knockdown shots. I had to work the golf ball both ways. Even par after one round, four back of the leader, I believe, correct? Yeah, Phil? and yeah. not many under par. It was windy yesterday. It's a tough course. And Tiger, last I checked, now there's been a bunch of guys uh, tee off this morning. He was he was top 20 going into round two and feeling good. Conditions might be more scorable today. It's okay. Uh, how about a four-hour apology from Judd when Tiger Woods wins a tournament sometime this season? Can we just get a full well, four-hour commercial-free no, apology? Second. If it's a major, yes. And a foot massage, just like if intern Charlie from a, last summer? If it's a major, I would agree to that. Oh, now it's, oh, but okay. I'm not, he wins five tournaments this summer, and they're not no, majors. No, you just said a tournament. I'm not taking some little tournament in Connecticut and giving you a foot massage for that. How about the fifth major, the players? Will that count? No, I'm bored with that All one. right, well, you heard that one cut from Tyler. Or from Tyler. Tiger. <laughs> Whatever his name is. It Tyler's great, anymore. too. Tyler's, Love Tyler. He's Tyler's awesome, awesome man. Uh, yeah, but he, he hit we, it well yesterday, too. We've got this other uh, soundbite from Tiger, which I heard this morning, and I had to give it a chuckle because you have to think this is not words you'd ever hear or you thought you'd ever hear out of Tiger's mouth. Great to be here at you know, at home and see a lot of the people that uh, you know that I either play with or against over at Medalist and um, have at the restaurant, and they're all out here today following and uh, some of my kids' uh, soccer parents were out here as well today, so it was it was a good day. Wow, <laughs> he really soccer parents. Oh. 
Uh, Tiger has been domesticated. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he wants you to believe he is before he heads to Denny's. Did he show up in uh, in a minivan? Did he show up in an... It's the Honda Classic, right? Did he show up in a... Is it Honda Odyssey? Yeah, is that a minivan? Did he show up in a Honda Odyssey? Odyssey? Okay. Oh, this is so sad. This is so sad to watch. Time to dig into my least favorite story of the sports year that happens to pop up every time at this part of the year. At least it has for the last few seasons. It's... Russell Wilson going to spring training. Hey, New York City, I'm here. I got the Yankees hat on. I'm headed to spring training on Monday. I can't wait to see you guys February 26th. We're going to have some fun for that week. And uh, hey, hey, Aaron Judge, I know you want to throw some ball passes, so let's let's play some ball, and uh, we'll see. We'll have a little home run derby, too. Uh, Stan, I'm coming for you, too. We'll have some fun, baby. I'll see you guys. Hey, and let's go win a World Series. Why not? Peace. I can't stand Russell Wilson. Why? Is he, so he's in the Yankee system. Yes, yeah, he got, he traded. got traded for nothing. What? He got he got they, traded from the Rangers to yes. the Yankees. Yeah, like a month ago. So has he been in spring training the last few years? He's showing yes, yes, with the uh, with the Rangers, and he's showing up on Monday to Yankees spring training. Why can't you stand like him? He doesn't bug me. He it's, just bug. I don't know. It's something about him. It's it's a smugness. I don't know what it is. I just he rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if smugness. There, I can see how there would be something about him. I, I think he's an unbelievable quarterback he's, and a leader and he's stuff. He's confident, but he should be. It is just the, the whole baseball thing. Like, Tim Tebow is legitimately trying to play Major League Baseball. Russell Wilson's just, like, showing up for a few yeah. days, right? Yes. I don't think he's actually trying to play professional baseball. Is he? He's just kind of... No, he just really loves baseball. It's just for fun, yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a hater. That's just the way it goes. You really are. Let's talk about the towns that really love the Olympics. It's not the Judd Zolgad house, although it is the uh, the Mrs. Judd Zolgad house, right? She's still all over it. Yeah, not really. No, nah, she's, she's she, bored with the Olympics. She ducked in for like two nights, and now it's no back figure to, skating uh, last night, ladies' final. Ah, uh, no. Wow. Nope, nope, nope. All right, she's top ten. Uh, as far as U.S. cities uh, ratings wise, where do you think Minneapolis-St. Paul fits? Oh, we're, I think we love the Olympics we're here. We're nearly we? really high. I would say as high as third. I'll say uh, a little more conservative, fifth or sixth. Mm, you guys are actually both overshooting the mark just a touch. We are seventh on oh, the list of U.S. cities. Salt Lake, Denver, Milwaukee, Seattle, Kansas City round out your top five. Well, Salt Lake hosted the Winter Olympics yeah. one time. That barely counts. If you can guess the sixth city, I'll buy you lunch. So, so say the other ones again. Salt Lake, Denver, Milwaukee, Seattle, Kansas City. Minneapolis is seven. Uh, Who's six? Well, this feels like a trick question now that you've framed it that way. Um, I mean, I, uh, Los Angeles? Like, I, I, think I, that's too, I think that's too big. Um, I don't know, but it's probably some. It's probably someplace like some... Like Mead, Oklahoma, or something. Yeah, or Colorado, or, or some a, a city in Colorado, or something like that. You were close, Phil. San Diego. Oh, San Diego, California on. loves their Winter Olympics. Sort of odd. I think they just—they're curious. They don't get snow. They're like what? they don't really have. I don't think they have What's mountains in San Diego. Got to go up a little further north. Uh, maybe there's some mountains down. In San Diego, but they're just curious to see what it all looks like. Also high on the list, Sacramento, Austin, Texas, West Palm, Fort Myers is uh, in about the top 15. I'm surprised we're seventh. Fort Myers sure is also a transplant city. That's so there's true. just It's a huge city population-wise of just people from northern climates that retire down there. Like Patrick, who I don't think is glued to the Olympics, but... Oh, you never know with you know, Patrick. He's an example. <laughs> 
We may be tired, but we're very excited and, and honored to be a part of something that, uh, that's history-making. And at the same time, guess what? Our league, there, there's no days off. We've got practice tomorrow, and we've got a game Saturday at 4 o'clock. So uh, we've got another opportunity to do something and move further up in the standing. Congratulations to the Drexel basketball team for overcoming oh, yeah. a 34-point deficit. The largest comeback in D1 basketball history in beating Delaware last night. <gasps> I was kind of bored by it, but I wanted to play it because their coach's name is Zach Spiker, and I find that awesome. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, when when in the game were they down by 34? Uh, with about a couple, two, three minutes left in the first half. They cut it to 20, nah, 27, I believe, by halftime. Wow. Yes, 27 by halftime, and then obviously uh, destroyed him in the second half. I, That's amazing. I was really into college basketball and, and the Gophers until they lost that game to Miami, and then shortly thereafter, it all fell apart. And since then, I haven't watched a full college basketball game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just with tuned you. out. I'm with you. The the last, and I like the sport, but I think the last full. Well, I went to the Purdue Gopher game. I remember that. Yeah, and then we. So we. I didn't even watch that full game. Stands. We left in the second half because they were down by thirty points. That's right. Top row of the uh, second yeah. level, right? Yep. That Everyone was it. tweeted it out. Yeah, I saw it. One and one last draw. The tickets were like five bucks a piece on StubHub. So all right, let's let's go. And there's bars nearby if we need to medicate was, after the game. I was so excited when the Gophers were playing well. I thought this is going to be absolutely fantastic. And this season is is just such a buzzkill. Yeah. I just sort of tuned out after that. You brought the misses to the Miami game. I right? know, and we were really the excited. Barn was the barn was hopping. You even came in the next yeah. day after the loss and said, oh. "I don't care." It was awesome. I've said this: when golfer basketball is good, I'm a fan. Like I get into it. At the barn is great. And after after all the stuff happened and Lynch got suspended and Coffee got hurt, I just sort of said, "Ah, eh, whatever." Listen, that was a big win over Iowa. The other <gasps> Grim was very we'll excited. Always, we'll always have the Iowa That's game. That's what my sources tell me. Mike Grimm was very excited. <laughs> he should be. The guy hasn't called a winning game in like three months. He was rooting for the Hawkeyes. He's a Hawkeyes fan. You know that. <laughs> uh, we have Write That Down predictions in about 15 minutes and an accountability session. TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey. He tells you things and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN and a rookie this Sunday at the 2018 Lake Coleman Cabin Show. He'll be there from noon to 2 at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Now in its 14th year, the Lake Home and Cabin Show is Minnesota's only show that specializes in second homes and the second home lifestyle. If you own a lake home, cottage, or cabin, or you want to own one, this is a truly unique and focused event you will want to experience. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Find the rookie down there Sunday, noon to 2. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Programming note, Jay Billis will join the Mackey and Judge Show. At 12.45 today. Because all hell is breaking loose in college basketball. It's either all hell breaking loose or it's just finally time for certain things to be above board instead of yeah. hidden. Like if you buy dinner, if you're an agent and you buy dinner for a really good 18-year-old basketball player, maybe that should just be or acceptable give, at some point. Or give them several thousand dollars. Right. We'll, actually, we're going to get into that story probably in like a half hour here. Write that down. Predictions coming up soon. Uh, Twins play their first Grapefruit League game of the season here. They're playing against the Red Sox, uh, JetBlue Park. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this yesterday. I had a write-that-down prediction, I think it was from last year, that the Twins would trade Eddie Rosario before this season and then to advance it that they should mm-hmm. because he was just he was fool's gold up until last year. Strikes out too much, swings at everything, um, just kind of a reckless player. 
I was 100% wrong on Eddie Rosario. Unless he goes back to his old tricks. He he became one of the most valuable players on the team last year. He raised the batting average by 20 points. The on-base percentage by 30 points. And he cut way back on the strikeouts. So sometimes numbers can be tricky where Delman Young hit 290 or 300 one year. But really he was still striking out a lot and... Uh, he just happened to get really hot with runners in scoring position and like wasn't the hardest worker behind the scenes, and it wasn't sustainable. I think this is mostly sustainable for Eddie Rosario. Do you are, do you agree with that? Like, Do you think that 27 bombs, uh, some, stole some bases, cut back on the strikeouts, I kind of like this version of Eddie Rosario. Well, I definitely like this version. I guess my, I guess my thing is this. I'd like to see this uh, for another half of a season or so. To decide, absolutely. It's just been I've been sold before on changes and guys, guys make adjustments and changes, and I think to myself, okay, they're fine now. They're they're going to be great, mm-hmm. and then this comes after a period of success, and then the league adjusts back to them. So I guess what I I'd like to see here is is there going to be an adjustment to the adjustment that Rosario made or changes that he made? If we see this in through June. I, I will definitely be on board with what you just said. I've just gotten fooled before by guys who have had a spurt of success and thought, okay, the change is final and it's going to be great, and then they come back and struggle again. So I would like to see it for three more months. Yeah, I think there's certain there's just certain indicators that would like that's a legit improvement. He he oh, yeah, cut way great. down. It's it was mostly just pitch selection. The guy would it's like he would make up his mind two years ago before the pitch was thrown or before the at bat. All right, I'm going to swing at the first three pitches that come to me. Hopefully one of them is a fastball around my eyes. And if it was, it went out. Yeah. Yes. And if it wasn't, which pitchers caught onto it, then he would swing and miss at all three pitches. Yeah, his contract uh, contact rate went up. They're going to have to make a decision at some point. And this is why, like, if they do sign Lance Lynn, ideally it's a three-year deal and not a five-year deal. I think it'll probably be less than it, a five-year deal. It will be a is. five-year deal, no. Um, but, like, Irvin Santana and Joe Maurer come off the books, so it's a good time with Rosario at some point, going to hit arbitration, mm-hmm. maybe hit free agency in, like, three years, Buxton, Sano. You're going to want to make room to extend those guys. You don't want to fall into a trap like you did at the old stadium where, up, oh, Torrey Hunter's a free agent and there's nothing we can do. Johan Santana, nothing we can do. This is why the this Sano piece to me becomes so important. Because you're going to have to make a decision much sooner than the time that he's actually going to hit the market for the first time. I think after the 2021 season, you're going to have to make a decision on direction there. And I'm talking about a long-term contract. That's why that's why this season to me, when, when it comes to Miguel, is really important. Because I think he's going to turn, if I'm not mistaken, I looked this up a couple days ago, he's going to turn 25 in May. If you get through this year and it's sort of the same old, same old, where, where he hits a lot of home runs, but let's say he gets hurt again, and it's clear that he's taking this semi-seriously, I think you're going to come to the conclusion this this is not going to change with him, that this is him. So to me, this is an absolutely crucial season to make a decision on Miguel Sano. True that. Um, I had an observation, maybe we can get to this before the end of the show, watching one of the Twins' top young players, one of their top prospects. I watched a few at-bats last night against the Gophers. I watched up until the, the face-off of the Wild game. Mm-hmm. Gophers were tough. Yeah, I mean, the Gophers have also been playing for a few kidding. weeks. and yeah. That's what happens sometimes in baseball where, hey, the, the the it wasn't like the Twins had their A lineup on the field. They had a bunch of... Sort of fringe. They had like major league invite guys to camp. Mm-hmm. 
But it's funny because Steven Gonsalves is 23. He's facing a 21, 22-year-old. So they're, it's just that those guys are in college and he's, you know, a professional. Mm-hmm. But um, there was, we'll get to this later on maybe. I wasn't, I'm just not too impressed with somebody that this did people not are hesitant me. to trade. This did not surprise me one bit, by the way. So we'll do that. Uh, write that down. Predictions coming up next. And mm-hmm. also Jay Billis will join the show to talk about all the big breaking college basketball news at 1245.